I'm more of a natural introvert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. He, and he gets mad at me, too, because he feels like I've forced myself out of it. Yeah. <laughs> now it's your turn. <laughs> I'm Christopher Hooten. And I'm David Rapson. And for the next few minutes, we're living on coffee and flowers. Boxer makes me think of a time when I was walking around New York City at four in the morning and having a conversation about all the Well, that's the thing. So I'm glad you brought that up because that didn't exist until we went back home. And Bryce and I, <laughs> we were in the attic. And I think we were at that point, we were so desperate that I was like, well, where's your flute? Because as a kid, when we were kids, when we were seven or something, six or seven years old, he played the flute and I played the drums. And he still has his flute. So we went and got his flute. And then we sort of thought, is there something we could do that's a little bit like Mistaken for Strangers or the same tone? So it's, it's a different guitar, but the same way of playing behind the bridge. And he's just, you know, the... But he's playing it behind the bridge of the guitar, so it sounds kind of crazy. And then he harmonized those chords against it with his flute. Um, and then the drum beat comes in, and that's what became the intro of the song. And that was, And then it comes back in the little little interlude before the second verse. And that was something that happened after already having tracked the song and worked on it for a long time. I've been dragging around from the end of your coat for two weeks. Everywhere you go is swirling. Everything you say has water under it. You know I keep your fingerprints in a pink folder in the middle of my table. You're the tall kingdom I surround. Think I better follow you around. So coming off the back of Mistaken for Strangers, I always, that first line kind of sounds quite literal to me because we've just spent a song kind of on the streets of Brooklyn. It's cold, it's miserable, you're under the city bank lights. So dragging around the end of your coat, I kind of <laughs> imagine this this figure like with a Big Mac on, you know, their pull, collar pulled up around their throat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it sort of sounds sort of stalking, but just I think just m maybe obsessed with someone. Mm -hmm. And then when that leads into everywhere you go is swirling, I feel like... 
what we've got here is the narrator's kind of obsessed with someone who's being evasive and they're kind of giving, they're, everywhere they go is swirling because everywhere they say they're going, you know, they're going out to dinner parties, they're going for drinks, they're going for coffee, but it's all, none of the stories seem to quite add up. Mm-hmm. And it's just this big swirling presentation of their life and and this person's trying to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going into everything you say has water under it. I guess it's kind of a, a literal idea of it being like every everything you say is just like dismissed as water under the bridge. But I think maybe that's too literal. And everything you say is water under it is more just everything you say is built on like a non-solid base you know it's like it's it's fluid it's liquid nothing ever seems to be concrete or something i can rely on or really believe like when you go back to that everything is swirling i like i like both of those things about the so I, i'm with you entirely that i think this is about one person following another someone who's being quite evasive um i think that's set up musically really nicely by there's a very soft opening on brainy which is uh, i think the more like calming elements of Aaron's music writing like the really soft woodwork uh, woodwind that comes in and like it's very peaceful and it gets interrupted by Brian's drumming it's like a real clash and that sets up almost like two characters for me and like you say there's almost like a somebody and somebody following and that's the that's the tone that gets set for me at the beginning of Brainy and then when you get to that water on the bridge part I'm entirely with you I think that like yes there is there is an interpretation that I've had I, I, I think this is quite it's quite good that you've got there as well I I thought of it as like water on the bridge like I picture these two people and one of them is brainy. Let's just call them that. And the other person is just our protagonist. And anything that this protagonist puts to brainy, they're just dismissing it as water under the bridge, which is almost like a lofty position to take. Like if I came to you with some concerns, I'm worried about X, I'm thinking about Y. And you were just like, there's a resolution to that. It's all just like water under the bridge. Don't worry. Uh, don't worry yourself. I'm I'm brainy guy. I know this. It's almost condescending to like put anything back as water under the bridge. So like everything you say, like yeah, being water under the bridge, it is like this person is quite condescending and to. Uh, and they're trying to be like, oh, you're bringing this up again. They're kind of. Yeah, I, yeah. So th- there's something about the the brainy pe- character that I instantly it's just it gets, it gets your back up a bit. I like I like the I like the raincoat theme that you've seen because I, I I felt it's quite noirish as a yeah. As a, as a theme. And I think I know you see you say like the. Musicality is quite calming, but there's also something murky and mm. very noirish about it. The yeah, the vroom, vroom, I think yeah, I get that vibe from it. So it does it does feel immediately quite a stalkery song. And then when we move on to you know, I keep your fingerprints in a pink folder in the middle of my table. It's just creepy, man. It's just creepy. Yeah, and I feel like it's just meant. Uh, you could read a lot into that, but I think it's just meant to be creepy. You know, like it's such a specific and all the all the specifics of it. You know, about in the middle of the table and the the pink folder. It's like it's just yeah, it feels very like stumbling on on the lair of a sort of a psychopath you know like it's a regret. i think it's like one-upmanship it's like you may be the person who at a dinner party can speak down to me and tell me that everything's water on the bridge but it's kind of like uh i've got one up on you i've got your fingerprints you know <laughs> don't underestimate me you know like uh you're brainy but don't underestimate me um that's what i get from the the pink folder in the middle of my desk mm, i think i just see it as just like i think it's just, they want they like the narrator wants you to know how serious they are about this about this girl presumably, um, and how just how how intensely they think about her and the point where it's almost like a, they almost have like a filing system probably mentally for her. I I think that's also a bit of the comedy of that character too, and yeah. that's sort mm. of the overzealous, um, right. but underconfident. Uh, who at the same time loves their car. Self self cast poet of love. Yeah, I hear all that in there too. <laughs> I mean, really, like the lines are really 
funny to me. And then the tone shifts as they take their place in the song um, in an interesting way. So that was also, that's something I think we still don't understand, but that is always mysterious to me is the, the sort of the way, the way humor works in the lines. Cause he's so silly. He's so silly. You've talked to him. He's so silly. Oh my silly. God, he's an absolute goofball. Yeah, he's so like silly. He's, <laughs> that's, and that's who I, you know, that's who I was, you know, that's, that's who it was. And then there was this other guy that we were writing songs <laughs> about. And then there was this, 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 uh, you know, I mean, come home in the car you love, brainy, brainy, brainy. For me, that was like a little bit out of I, you know, I was obsessing about this fake woman we were writing about too. I was, I, right. I liked the idea of a character who might drive her mind as smooth as a car because that was the opposite of what I felt like. Um, I never felt, uh, like I, I could put it all so smoothly. So, um, so that was, that was where that stuff kind of came from. I think if I had felt like he and I were writing songs about him and me, <laughs> I just, I, I just, the, the secondhand embarrassment would have just crushed me. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. had to feel like we were collaborating on some sort of project about, and that's what made it fun and interesting to me too. And then when it says, um, you're the tall kingdom I surround, I think I better follow you around. Obviously like tall kingdom, I've always think, thought it was like, it was a really nice couple of words and it makes you think of this person as like more like a, a follower or a worshiper, you know, around this tall kingdom. But also, I guess the obvious meaning would it implies that they're they're the moat that surrounds the tall kingdom, which kind of ties back again to the this whole swirling notion and water under it. So there's a lot of kind of like water imagery going on under there. Um, and I, th I think I better follow you around. It's just again, I think, I think it's like hammering home the the creepiness, like. It, it, want, it, wants, it wants to be a creepy song, and it's like lines like that. I think I better follow you around like it's on a whim. I enjoy that. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I think that the visual representation, it's a very uh, visually prompting song. We both got like those noirish elements in the opening bit and saying, you know, setting the scene of a tall kingdom that I surround, it is very visual. The, the visual like representation that I get in my head is again like that one-upmanship. Like, yes, you are a tall kingdom. Yes, you are grand. You are very impressive. But I'm surrounding you. I got you. I'm. I'm almost. It's almost competitive. That statement. You're the tall kingdom. I surround. It's like a to and fro. Like a yeah, competitive notion. So, and I guess we'll build on that in the in the next line. So it's always this, you know, on the top is the same two notes and then there's just a moving bass line. Um, and that was, that was a, one where Brian, it feels like a slow song when you listen to it like that, you know, it's just. And Matt wrote to that, but then Brian, he plays it sort of double that, like double time and it's quite fast. 
And uh, it's a really hard drum part for him to play. And it became what we call a slow, fast song or a fast, slow song, which is then that's sort of a, you know, a slow song that, that because of the drums or some other locomotion feels like a fast song. And those tend to be, I don't know. We've had a lot of, there's a lot of examples of those kind of like blood buzz is another one where like the actual demo of blood buzz was like a little ukulele <coughs> strum thing that then I sort of turned it around and found that this cross rhythm on the snare and then Brian drummed and it just became a fast song. And I think, um, there's something about that that allows Matt to write in a certain way, but then there's just the collision of the drums and it feels, you know, there, there's something about that formula that really took flight on Boxer. You might need me more than you think you will. Come home in the car you love. Brainy, brainy, brainy. So you might need me more than you think you will. I, I, I was like Sting's that line. I think everyone can kind of relate to when when they've been like spurned or ditched or like left to one side or fucked over or whatever it is. They kind of are kind of in denial about it and thinking they always want to believe, oh, this person's going to realise that they're making a mistake, you know. They don't realise how much they need me. I guess that's what that line was about to me. It's like, you don't you don't see it now, but you're going to see the, how, how important actually I am. And they probably know that that's not even the case, but they just kind of have to tell themselves that to, I don't know, to try and think that they still have a shot with this person they're obsessed with. Following the evasive person and the protagonist theme, I think it's like a, I think that line you might need me more than you think you will, is a very, um, it's a very stark, like, it's like a question of like, who has the upper hand here? If you are so brainy, if you do know so much and you're so this and that, like, maybe you underestimate me. And I, I don't know, I don't know if I even like project that too much on a, on a relationship context. I don't know if it's, it's necessarily that. I, I just, I just picture two characters, one evading the other, one is this this brainy character the other one's in pursuit and suddenly the person who's in pursuit just says like actually don't underestimate me i don't i don't, I don't that's what i mean i don't know if it is even I don't, I don't necessarily attach like romance to it i just find it so like almost like yeah like a crime noir thriller like uh <laughs> you know i just find that i find it kind of creepy and interesting and um I, I really i don't know i kind of root for the the protagonist i want him to get one over on this brainy character yeah, it seems like you've got a yeah. You've a more. You think he's got something in him, like whereas I, I feel like he's the kind of more dejected in denial character. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and then come home in the car. You love brainy, brainy, brainy. That would like that never. It never jumped out to me what that line's really about. Yeah, it's kind of hard to read this one, and it's it's another it's another reference to cars, and there's a there's a few of these that crop up on on Boxer and on other albums. I think my I think what I what I was thinking about too when I was listening back I was like oh yeah we do like a line we do like a line about a car in a song about a mind and I was thinking oh yeah there just is some connection right in songs driving and thinking are sort of the same thing so often in songs yeah yeah I, there's there's I I I use cars a lot I think I mean I the details of of not on just on this record, but on other records. So um, in like rooms and chairs and 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 clothes and, and like there's you know like the the basic our basic our basic little wombs or something are safe places you know and so this 
this it, Brainy was was one of the first songs um, that Corinne and I really that she that she was actually contributing lyrics and and um and I can't remember which which ones specifically are hers um, on this song but um, but yeah so she was definitely she was even writing like I she she'd scribble ideas for lines in my notebooks next to my lyrics she just like i'd come i'd open up a notebook and there'd be like different handwriting and a different and like what the, you know and she'd just be she'd just start writing lyrics in my lyric books and and uh and they were good what we would do usually was um a kind of in-person talking through of things but sometimes i knew he would go off on his own and sort of really finish the the kind of thinking through of something. So I would write my favorite lines in like bright colors and underline them several times in stars and arrows everywhere. <laughs> sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work at all. <laughs> and, and we were always from the very beginning doing that. That's we we met just talking about art and everything and writing and stuff. And so she's definitely brainy and 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 I feel like that's that's not the first song about her. The song Karen is, is also about her, even though I I changed the spelling and pronunciation, but but whatever. And and um but yeah, so the car the car, you know, is it's funny, there's living in, in New York at that time, I don't think I even had a car. I'd had a car when I moved there, but it, it was it quickly was robbed and beaten in and stolen and but I don't even remember having a car at all. And I don't remember Corinne having a car either and i and i don't remember us as uh, there's a lot of things in this th this record too are are these images of fantasies that you want right you want i want to i think i wanted to like i didn't have a garden we lived in the top apartment of four stories up and there's so many garden references in um in 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 this record and all these things about um like having a home and having a place that's like and so i think that someone coming home in their car um I felt like maybe it was like a jumping forward in time, like after we get through all this stuff, and even because we, Corinne and I had 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 been together for a while at that point, but we'd you know gone through a couple of breakups, I think you know dating and just deciding whether we were gonna we were gonna get married and everything, and and so um, we were now living together for the first time when this record was being made, and so I, I think a lot of these these some of the fantasies are about like seeing our life as a, as a couple and a family somewhere down the line, you know, even, and yeah, and, and, and I don't know why I decided to make us have a fight in the, even in the future, but I guess, you know, I, I, so I think that's, I think that's where the car is, but there wasn't a specific car. Um, I mean, I've fallen in love with so many different cars and she, but, but we didn't have a car at that point. And so maybe that's why at that phase I was writing a lot about cars. I don't know. Cause I, I miss driving around.
I remember that was one of the songs where I, I told Brian, let's try a different drum mic setup. Um, it's only a bunch of songs like this. We're, we're just, we, we use like just four or five mics. And I go, and he's like, oh yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm like, okay, but this is what it sounds like. There are no other options really. He's like, that's cool. doesn't matter. And I remember like a week or two later, he's like, are there any other options? I was like, no, this is, sorry, we only use five mics. So, I mean, I guess sometimes you could use even less, but uh, um, but I think the, uh, yeah, the drum sounds in that song are definitely pretty unusual uh, in a cool in a cool way i remember being really struck by the words to that song and matt you know the direct reference to his wife and and we still call her brainy 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 um and it was yeah just that one we 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 were committed to finishing it and we love we kind of loved what was there but it was a little bit like fake empire where it didn't we didn't really know how to finish it for quite a while. And definitely we left, that was one of the ones that existed before we left. We were sent home from the studio without finishing that. And part of the reason was we just couldn't finish. Start a war was another one. There was a bunch, you know, fake empire, start a war, brainy. They all existed, but we didn't know how they would end. Um, so that was what was going on. I've been dragging around from the end of your coat for two weeks. You keep changing your fancy, fancy mind every time I decide to let go. I was up all night again, boning up and reading the American Dictionary. You'll never believe me what I found. Think I better follow you around. Yeah, so I guess the, the narrative like twists a little bit here, because up until this point, for me anyway, I think the, the narrator is just following around this person who maybe doesn't even really know. Um, but then with this whole notion of you keep changing your change, changing your fancy, fancy mind every time I let go, I feel like she's kind of stringing him along a little bit. Like she doesn't necessarily want him. She doesn't necessarily want him chasing after her and being obsessive and weird. But at the same time, there's sort of this desire for the attention yeah. and it's, it's fucked up, you know, and it's like anytime he does decide, you know, he actually does manage to not obsess about her she i imagine her to like pop up in in his life in some way and then it just it's kind of keeps keeps him stringing along i guess yeah it sounds awful (laughs) (laughs) just sounds like straight like a like a horrible situation i guess like yeah it sounds like um the these two people are really on top of each other really like getting under each other's feet and really finding it hard to coexist sounds tough (laughs) see i don't i don't think they're on top of each other too i think they're far away i think she's I think she's out everywhere she goes is swirling. She's off having her own social life and the other person's just kind of left. <laughs> maybe it's one and the same. Maybe they're like, maybe they're in a relationship but feel very distant and it's just very, it feels like both. It feels like they're close yeah. and near, claustrophobic they're, they're and the far away. They're at the same party but they're not interacting. And yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's very clearly like a, it's the thing about Brainy is there's just it's just so more than any other song I think there's just so clearly like two characters and, and each line just reveals more and more about how difficult the situation is and how it's kind of so uncomfortable between them um, the paranoia the, the following around the the argument that's implied in that line um, you keep changing your fancy fancy mind every time I decide to let go you know like how let it go is like a phrase that's constantly buried about if you're having an argument like would you i wish you would just let it go like what's under the bridge yeah 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 <laughs> nice yeah i guess it's like yeah it feels very very tense there's arguments there's there's no moving on it just sounds like terribly terribly uncomfortable yeah and then the next lines like obviously we know from matt now that 
version of Corinne, now his wife. Mm. But it's this more than just her. It's just this character of like a someone who you or the narrator views as like intellectually superior, and they've got a bit of a complex about it. And I, I just like the line because it's just if you're thinking about ways to impress someone, it's like what's the like dumbest, goofiest, stupidest way. And we've got this person here, like, flicking through a dictionary trying to find a cool word to, like, impress a lady with. I just think that's so, like, typical of Matt to use something that's just kind of absurd and silly. Kind of self-deprecating and... But also kind of psychopathic, so it brings it back to that feeling of there is that still kind of stalkerish element. And when it brings it, when it says, uh, so when they're, they're, they're leafing through the dictionary, and it's like, you'll never believe what I found. I'm going to follow you around. To me, I always think, like, I imagine that the word they found is some, like, really like fucked up word to do with death it's like exsanguination or something you know like the draining of the blood and they're like <laughs> they're like oh really all right and that, that's kind of renewed their their stalkery purpose so it's like it's there's so many readings to this song like i can i can enjoy it enjoy it as like about this kind of person living in denial about someone not like loving them back or you know like about like intellectual superiority relationship but then i could also just fully read it in a conversation 16 sort of sense of uh Straight up kind of serial killer vibe. What was that word again? Exsanguination. Exsanguination. Wow. <laughs> have you been boning up? And I have. The, <laughs> yeah. You've been I was in the, through the Webster. <laughs> in the Webster this weekend. Um, I guess that the picture that Matt's trying to like paint here is of this like absurd situation that this person's found themselves in. How how far removed they are from who, when they once were. They're now completely crazy. Like just up all night looking through the dictionary for words that are going to get one over on Brainy and. I guess it's a statement to like how this person has been treated. Like you keep changing your fancy, fancy mind every time I decide to let go. It puts them in a, in a corner. Like, well, I know what I'm going to do about that. Um, and then I really like those two, like those two lines that come one after the other. Like, um, you'll never believe me what I found. Think I better follow you around. That's a really like sinister moment in the song. It's and, super sinister. And that, that the way that he delivers it as well. The the the, the intonation of his voice goes down. Like, like it's just a, off a cliff um, and think I'd better follow you around. Yeah, it's very sinister. I like yeah. it a lot. Like yeah. I, I revel in that bit of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. And I think it's something that people don't, I guess it's not explored that often in songs, this idea of like having to impress someone with your knowledge and stuff, but it's what people all do. Everyone goes on dates and is just fucking trying to, one up each other with their stories or their hilarious anecdotes or their insights and it's tiring and it's kind of this game everyone has to has to play and I, it's, it's, good, it's quite nice to see someone actually reference that stuff is it fair to say that that's kind of a new york thing as well but i always yeah. kind of picture it maybe as a stomping ground for intellectuals i don't know if that's fair or completely caricature but that's how i picture it i guess brainy was a really hard song for us to finish because we didn't know where it should go. Um, and we, I think we were thinking it needed a, it was a rock song and it had no catharsis or something. And we were, we weren't used to that at that time. And so that's why we tried, we tried a number of outros. And in the end, what happened, we had recorded a bunch of strings with, um, with Padma and, but they had been turned off for a long time until the very end. And we were just like, what if it just, restates the theme at the end and kind of has becomes very beautiful, you know, and, um, that ended up feeling like it, it, it worked, but it's kind of, we had to go on this long journey through many versions of it until we ended up there. 
So musically, I think it's the murkiest, darkest, kind of most almost simplistic, minimal track on the album. Like if if the national songs, I've like all the songs on Boxer were in the sea. This one's down on on the seabed, living off scraps that fall from the surface. You know, it's like a it's a it's a dark song. But and yeah, I guess I guess for me, it's just about it's denial wrapped up in unrequited love. Um, and for me, the protagonist, you know, is just convinced that there's some gesture or something they can say or something they can do that's going to make this person realise that they're everything they ever wanted in life. Yeah, for me, like, um, one of the things I love about Brainy is, like, as I mentioned earlier about the, how the, the there's, like, almost, like, two characters in the plot, but also in the in the music. I, I love how different the drums feel to what's going on uh, sonically as sort of, like, painted by Aaron. Um there's a there's a quote I dug out about this exact thing because I know that at the time of writing, Aaron was writing some of these more like, I guess, calming pieces of music. And then I have this lovely quote about Brian, which is, uh, I think Matt said this actually. He said, uh, Brian was doing very different sorts of things with the drumming that he brings to these songs. He takes them in a very different direction rather than if he just played along with the mood that was there from just the guitar and vocal stuff. He took them in the opposite direction sometimes. So the songs have these split personalities in a lot of ways. I think that's it for me. And like, I, I love the idea that these two characters who are sort of playing this cat and mouse game, we have, we have Brian's drumming and the, and the softer like uh, musical notes having a similar cat and mouse game going on. So that, um, that really gives the, gives the song another, uh, another dimension to me this like this musical parity for what's going on in the narrative um yeah i love it man it's 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 one of the it's one of the songs i i, I sort of I, I go back to in waves like sometimes i'll listen through to boxer and, and and not necessarily listen to uh pay much attention to brainy and then i go through these intense periods of listening to brainy back to back a lot and it is it is such a moody song such a such a dark song and i i really really love the tone of it yeah, and I think what you were saying about like the duality of fast and slow, about the drums being really upbeat and the music feeling more restrained, I kind of it reflects the I think the mood of the narrator because I don't know when you're when you're obsessed with someone or you're just just really upset, it feels very urgent and an immediate and intense feeling. But then there's also kind of a dullness to it as well, um, and those two things are constantly smashing together. And I guess that's what's going on musically in the song as well. I'd agree with that. Nice. Coffee and Flowers is brought to you by Vero, a subscription-based social network which respects your privacy and doesn't sell your data to advertisers. Follow Coffee and Flowers and Vero to find and search all the songs, books, films and other things that we reference in each of the episodes. Download Vero for free on iOS and Android. Go to get.vero.co slash coffee and flowers. That's get.vero.co slash coffee A-N-D flowers. Coffee and Flowers is hosted by Christopher Hooten and David Rapson and produced by Christopher Bolson. Julian Wharton composed the theme and engineers the show at the Bison Room in London. 